to the third episode of the Becoming Fully Human podcast. I am your host, Cam. This is a solo episode, which will be great news for some of you and devastating news for others, but it is what it is. I'm in Sydney at the moment, visiting friends. I've been here for about a week and I have the opportunity to record by myself right now, so I'm going to do it because time flies. And I thought releasing an episode about once a week would be a good goal. We'll see how sustainable that is. And I do have it in the books to record with my... I don't even know how to describe her. Giving her an intro next week is going to be difficult. She's my mentor. Geraldine is her name, and she's just the wisest most grounded, hilarious, incredible human. And so I'm so looking forward to sharing that with you guys after we record the episode. But for now, I have a little bit of time to do a one-on-one. And since I've been getting a lot of good feedback, I thought, why not? So yeah, let's dive in. So the first question, I actually decided to draw a random card from a card game that I recently purchased that delves deep it's it's meant for two people or more it really works well with two people though and the questions are fantastic and they really prompt a deep and vulnerable conversation if you're willing to go there which I definitely am so I thought I'd start just because it's definitely a more personal question um yeah I draw a card and I will answer it before getting to the Q&A type things from Instagram. So the question to start off is what part of your life works and what part of your life hurts? Mm. So the part of my life that works really well for me is the general flow of my life at the moment and it has been this way for You know, it's actually been this way for quite a long time, but it's really fallen into place in recent times with my writing career. Um, What I mean by that is that uh, I don't work uh, very many hours and it enables me to still like afford my lifestyle and to do the things that I want to do, but I work about two days a week and so I can put those hours in at any time of the day Um, I can work more one week and then take a few weeks off and what I find is that that really allows me to honor the feminine nature of my being and the cyclical nature of the feminine Um, our society is very masculine in the way that it's structured know people getting up a specific time every day of the week or five days a week and commuting and um, completing tasks and it being very yeah very task driven very goal oriented achieving climbing ladders um, that doesn't that that type of lifestyle has never appealed to me even when I was much younger I I would work full-time for 
let's say, well, I'm from Canada, so our seasons are quite drastic and I would work fall, winter into the spring and then very often would quit my job and then take the whole summer off. Um, I've often just embodied that kind of flow and realized that I don't, I'm not one to like amass tons of wealth. I much prefer spending time living and enjoying like the now as opposed to saving tons of money and being stressed out and then one day finding like retirement. Um, I would much prefer working into my old age in something that I'm interested or passionate about. Um, yeah, even when I was younger, I have pretty much always gone into jobs in an industry that I like. So working at organic juice bars or in gyms, health shops, um, so that it is work, but it always also is quite satisfying to the connections that I make and the things that I learned and now with my career yeah it's just so flexible it it blows my mind um able to do it from anywhere all I need is my computer and yeah so that part of my life I really have figured out um flowing with life not operating on any schedule I don't wake up to any alarm you know I go to bed um pretty early and I wake up without an alarm when the sun rises and that also affords me to volunteer a lot which is something that's quite important to me luckily my writing is in the health industry so it's very satisfying in that way and I get a lot of freedom about the subjects that I write about so it's completely in line with Um, how I see health and well-being but the aspects of volunteering connect me to a world that yeah I'm quite passionate about at the moment it's really farming regenerative farming I've been able to get a nice balance of actually getting like my hands in the dirt and actually being on farms but also offering my writing services to help empower the regenerative farming agriculture um, community which is a different type of wealth than monetary wealth but to me it's much more rewarding yeah um so that is for sure what works and then what hurts oh well It doesn't hurt in a negative way as much as pain can be positive. Um, But being back in the dating game after these four years as a single person is no doubt emotional. And definitely pain is one of those emotions that I've been experiencing. I think because essentially when you're dating, you're selling yourself. And that's entangled with all your shadow stuff so things like low self-worth or fear of abandonment or you know the need to feel safe within a relationship like there's so many things that is going to be connected to childhood patterns that we picked up or things that yeah so 
there's all that's entangled and ego's entangled of course because as humans we want to be accepted we want to be a part of the tribe we want to be loved we want to be found attractive and being during those years being single like I've really done a lot of work in terms of the knowledge aspect of you know how to communicate how to navigate all that how to love myself how to be happy and comfortable alone and not feel lonely but taking all this knowledge and bringing it into the real world it's really put to the test when you date because it's not that hard well look it's actually quite hard to find self-love true self-love even as a, a mindfully single person but putting that to the test really happens when you embark on any degree of a relationship or put yourself out there because it's much harder to re- like stay grounded in yourself when you're wanting to be uh, accepted and loved by someone else but despite all that it's been so transformational to take these things that I've been working on for years now and actually set them free into the world and anytime I feel these old patterns of codependency or um, falling in love with someone's potential it's I have such an awareness now of the red flag and I can take a step back I can learn to communicate I can embody communication and actually speak to people about the internal dialogue that's going through my head um, without having fear of being rejected because the kind of relationship that I'm looking for is not the kind of relationship I see embodied in the majority of the relationships I know of and so yeah it's giving it's it's fantastic the pain is just helping me grow it's like jet fuel really because the faster you can actually be the thing that you're trying to create with another person um the faster it finds you is my theory so far and yeah hurt is just information like it's a gift really to realign you and to give you a glance into something that needs to be healed or an opportunity to set boundaries so yeah putting yourself out there like that vulnerably in the dating world can definitely hurt but it's such a gift so I welcome it with open arms question number two uh, is what it, what are the five most powerful things that you've done for your health? I'll touch on them pretty quickly. I won't go too deep, but um, they are each pretty massive categories in of themselves. But I think that if any of them resonate with you, you can just delve deeper yourself. Um, the first one would be quitting hormonal birth control. This subject is controversial, I guess, because hormonal birth control has been lumped into 
the feminist movement as this tool that women can use to empower themselves uh, and reclaim their sexual independence um, prior to the pill and other hormonal birth controls women were often at the mercy of the system and of men because if they fell pregnant um, was abortion legal or not how safe was it how accessible was it and it really made women reliant on men but so yeah hormonal birth control really was this like platform for the feminist movement but when you start to dig deeper and actually understand the impact that it has on the bodies of women to me it is one of the most disempowering and harmful pharmaceutical drugs that has ever made its way onto the market because it disconnects women from their divine feminine power and their intuition and it suppresses your hormones to the point where your body's behaving as if it's postmenopausal. And the pill, another, well, the pill, let's talk about specifically, but any type of birth control that uses hormones, it, it doesn't fix anything. It puts a big band-aid because any problem that is arising as a result of hormonal issues um, goes away when your hormones are so dropped down so low that you know it's it's a non-issue but as soon as you potentially want to fall pregnant and come off of the pill you get flooded with these problems oftentimes worse and So prescribing the pill to people, well, I said I was going to be short. I'm going to be short on the four other points, I think. But this one is pretty important because there's no informed consent when it comes to the pill and hormonal birth control. Women are being prescribed the pill and it's so accessible and they're taking it young. I remember I took it very young in my early teens and to regulate my cycle and also just to prevent pregnancy, I was not taught about the four phases of the cycle. I had no idea when I was ovulating. I, you know, fertility awareness, which is the, 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 the language of your body. So learning when and how your cycle works is so empowering. And when you're on hormonal birth control, you're completely disconnected from the ebbs and flows of life as a woman and yeah I could talk about this subject all day I studied holistic reproductive health um, as a postgrad and it is a massive topic for another day but that to me coming off of that and getting to know my body and its cycles and honoring them has been life-changing the second would be tap water unless you live in the alps and your tap water is spring water um, tap water is not for human consumption the chemicals used to in air quotes clean the water and rid it of bacteria bad bacteria also damage the good bacteria in your body because you can't 
introduce chlorine into your body daily and expect to have a good gut health, which means whole body health. So tap water, yeah, not for human consumption. Spring water is ideal if you can get it delivered um, or buy it. It's still going to be dead water so water when it flows out of its natural source is alive and structured Um, you can explore gerald pollock's work about this it's quite fascinating Um, or thomas cowan dr thomas cowan has a book about water and the biology of cancer and gerald pollock's book is called the fourth phase of water both very incredible reads um If you don't have access to spring water, getting a proper reverse osmosis filter that restructures and potentially remineralizes, wow, that's a mouthful, um, the water. Yeah, so that. The third would be severing my relationship to caffeine. Um... Yeah, we use caffeine to prop up unsustainable lifestyles and not relying on it to navigate your world is has been completely game changer for me. The fourth would be the mindset of pain as growth um, and questioning your own thoughts as well because... Uh, they're, they're actually kind of opposites, those two concepts. So pain as growth is one side of the coin where, like I said about dating and like feeling aches in your heart and stuff like that, it's all an opportunity to grow as a person, to reflect on things that, um, traumas and patterns that are no longer serving you. So if you're reacting from a place of a wounded inner child, there's just work to be done there to heal that. Or if you're in an environment that's not serving you, you have the gift to stand up for yourself and set boundaries, which are a prerequisite when it comes to self-love. And then on the flip side of that, on that coin, I guess, is questioning your thoughts and the story that you're telling yourself about what is causing you pain so this is very byron katie i mean there's so many teachers that preach this but she's one that i resonate with and her message is really that the pain we experience is the belief of a story that we've told ourselves about the way things are versus how they should be and the more present you can be with yourself and the situation that you're in not comparing it to what you think should be um, it's freedom to, to have that mentality so yeah addressing mindset and healing the mind the mind body connection really delving into that world has completely transformed my life and the last uh forgiveness i think is one of the most profound things that you can do for your health because forgiveness has absolutely nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with setting yourself free and 
yeah, we'll leave that at that. Forgiveness is paramount. Okay, question number three is I know you're not a parent yet, but can you share one piece of advice you think parents would benefit from? And yes, I can. Uh, I'm not a parent yet, but I am a child of parents. And so I do feel like this answer is quite qualified from experience despite not having been on the other side of the parent-child dynamic yet. Um, I would say that you need to embody the message that you're trying to teach your kids. So no matter what you say, if you don't emulate it, it's not going to stick. Um... I guess it's related to the saying, like, do as I do, not as I say. So many, it's not even just parents, it's everyone, really. It's, it's, it's human, like the human condition in general. We're very good at pointing the finger or saying, you should do this, you should do that, or try this or do that. But if you're not doing the thing, no one's going to take you seriously, um, for example, many parents sacrifice their own well-being in the name of their children, but what they do by, by doing that is actually teaching their children low self-worth. Like, if you're putting, if you're constantly putting other people ahead of you, you're showing your children that your self-worth doesn't matter. And from my experience, you know, even as a nanny, I've, I've worked with kids on and off from a very young age. Um, the other thing that I can tell that children pick up on is that it's, it's not so much about the thing itself um, that's being communicated, but more so the way it's being communicated and the message that they're picking up about like human dynamics and uh, respect and how to love and who to love and self-love all these more like deep-rooted truths so here's an example um if a mom and dad are arguing about screen time and the dad is against any screens and the mom is saying well you know i need a bit of relief in the afternoon so I want like little Johnny to have an hour and a half in front of the screen so that I can get housework done and so on the surface the argument is about screen time but what a child is going to pick up on is how are mom and dad navigating conflict um, their own love the respect for uh, each other and their individual like self-respect um, how do men treat women how do women treat men all these seemingly unrelated things is what kids pick up on more than is tv good or bad so if the dad is yelling at the mom and disrespecting her and saying like 
you know, you have it easy, you should be giving all your attention to the child and the child shouldn't be looking at a screen. And then ultimately, the father disregards the mother's point of view and dismisses her and the mother gets upset, internalizes it and like goes to cry in her room. So the child is learning the energetics behind the argument. Um, Both parents might think that they're just discussing what's best for the child and best for the dynamic of the family, but kids are picking up on subtle cues about how to love, how to treat people. And so they're learning, okay, well, um, you know, women don't express anger. They internalize it as sadness. Learning that abuses even mild forms of verbal abuse are acceptable and that love is not about open and clear communication um to get what you want you have to argue um yeah the list goes on and on so basically it's just like you have to really embody the lessons that you're trying to pass on because you might say that you know, when kids grow up, you might say alcohol is bad, you you know, you can't drink as a young teenager in high school. But if you're drinking, good luck, <laughs> good luck instilling that, um, that value. And if you say don't yell, but you yell, again, like it's not what you do, it's not what you say, it's what you do. If you're on the phone all the time in front of your kids, don't be surprised if they throw a tantrum to watch TV or the iPad or to want to play with your phone. Um, they want to be you. You are the lesson. So learn to love and respect yourself. Um, take care of your physical and mental health and be the values that you want to instill because this will absolutely be the driving force to inspire your children to embody the same state of being that you occupy. Question four is how do how to have the conversation about STIs with a new sexual partner. So this is something that I did not do as a younger person because it's awkward as hell um, for the most part. And in it's easy to say this in retrospect, I guess, but if you're not comfortable enough to have this conversation with the person that you're wanting to be intimate with, then you should probably not be having sex with them. At least that's where I'm at in life right now um, and how I feel about the situation. It's a pretty powerful gauge if you should be getting that intimate with someone because although the question is about STIs, Uh, We share much more than that when we sleep with someone. Uh, We create deep bonds that permeate the physical being. And yeah, that's that's a whole other subject. But basically, um, I mean, live your truth. If you want to have casual sex with people and... I guess if you're having casual sex with people, it should be even easier to bring it up because there's 
no real deep fear of rejection if you're not intimately involved in wanting to cultivate a relationship with a person then go for it if they reject you I mean I can't imagine there's going to be all that much deep-rooted pain but if you're looking to have a more meaningful relationship with a person you should definitely feel comfortable enough with your partner to have these types of conversations and truly they can be gateways to get much more vulnerable and open with your partner and how to actually go about it um well I would want to know if my potential partner is sexually active with anyone else at the moment so I guess that's a place you can start is ask them if they're being intimate with anyone else and also when's the last time that they were uh, intimate like that with someone else and then from there you can ask them when's the last time that they were tested for STIs and I would specifically ask which tests because there's an array of them some are swabs some are uh, blood tests and um yeah I I would just go there and before that I mean before even embarking on that conversation with a partner you want to make sure that you are embodying the degree of sexual health and awareness that you expect from your partner and I think it can be much easier to broach that subject if you yourself um, are like on top of it. So you can even share first with your partner that you know you get tested after every partner, even though you have the conversation with them, just to be sure um, you go get a full. I mean, as far as I know, most places have free sexual health clinics, and since many STIs have no symptoms this is definitely something that you should just do regularly for your own health because despite not having symptoms they have very real uh, consequences for reproductive health so yeah something I also bring up kind of as a way to have the conversation is that I don't take pharmaceutical drugs and so many of these STIs are not a big deal um, but they do require they don't actually they don't require they're prescribed like the solution prescribed by uh, medical doctors are pharmaceutical drugs antibiotics and I personally do not engage with that world Antibiotics are quick fixes for things, um, not always, even a quick fix, but in the case of STIs, they often are. And since I don't take those, I don't want to spend three months on a herbal protocol. Um, that doesn't excite me, the thought of that. So it's really important to me to act preventatively in these, in these scenarios and so yeah have the conversation and knowing who your last who your partner's last sexual partner was and also if they're currently with other people would also just be important information in general to make a decision for yourself if you want to engage um, with someone who 
is currently sleeping with other people or who has um, strong ties. Like if they just broke up with someone or if they were sleeping with someone two weeks ago. Personally, I'm not interested in entangling myself with that type of energy beyond just the physical. Like there's just too many uh, energetic ties there. And actually the next question is related to this. So um, yeah, I'll leave it at that and we'll hop on to the next question. So the next question is how to cut ties with an ex. And to answer this, um, there's two angles really. One is physical and one is energetic. Physically, you have to stop seeing them. Um, a lot of people operate from the mentality that you can be friends with your ex, but if the wound is fresh, I just don't believe that you should be. Um, you definitely can be in the future, but if one or both parties are even remotely hurt or confused or there's any degree of attachment there, which if you're asking this question in the first place of how to cut ties for the next, odds are there are, there is. You need physical distance. Um, I would say that the need for physical distance clause is up once you're 100% okay with him or her sleeping or dating anyone else. So if you're both on that same page, then I think you can totally be friends. But if you still, if you feel hurt or abandoned or like if any of these kind of childhood wounds come up at the thought of your ex being with anyone else, then you definitely need physical distance. And Oh, another point to this. I'll actually tell you a story in a moment, in a minute, um, personal story, but you have to unfollow their social media and stop checking it. This is 100% a non-negotiable. Um, just because you've distanced yourself from someone physically, unless their life and what they're doing and their face is no longer involved in your day-to-day -day, like the tie will never be cut so just because he or she doesn't know you're checking their social media doesn't mean this is a free pass like you know your subconscious knows and this isn't about the other person it's about you moving on and healing and letting go so it's like the porn you watch your actions behind closed doors carry out into the world and the impact that it has on your subconscious will absolutely influence the life that you carry out in the real world. Um, speaking of porn, delete his dick pics, delete the photo of her tits or the videos that she sent you. If you want to get over someone, you can no longer, like they can no longer be a part of your spank bank to any degree. Don't fantasize about them to get off in any way, just don't. Um, energetically, removing shared items from your space at home, 
which definitely promotes energetic ties. Um, if everything reminds you of your partner, try switching up your routine, incorporate new things into your life to help shift that energy. Um, burning something like sage or palo santo to help clear your space energetically. That's actually a really good thing to do in general because we're constantly picking up people's energy in our day-to-day -day life. And so when you're entering your home space, it's nice to have a really clear energy so that you're not um, being influenced by other people's wants and needs. Um, energetically, also cutting the cord. I'm guessing many people will know what this means. But basically, when we form a deep connection to someone, and this can be real or perceived so a real connection would be if you dated someone um, and you slept with them the longer that that occurred the stronger the cord between two people but also even just fantasizing about someone or having a crush on someone and this energetic cord can be cultivated by the story you tell yourself so you might never have met someone, but if you've convinced your subconscious that you guys are meant to be together, there's going to be a cord there. And this cord needs to be cut if you want to move on. There's so many meditations on how to do this. You can just literally hop on YouTube and type in um, cord cutting meditation. I'm willing to... There's definitely guided ones um you also can just kind of do it in your own way so picturing the individual and you with your eyes closed like I like to do this stuff in bed when I'm laying down and relaxed either just before bed or first thing in the morning and first I think it's important to send the person love and well wishes no matter how um, devastating the breakup was that's again that's the forgiveness piece like you're doing that for yourself more than the other person and then cut the ties so you can do it whatever way that resonates with you for me it's usually like envisioning the two of us connected by a cord and then just cutting the cord and then kind of seeing them vanish off into space or something um the deeper the tie, the more times you may have to do that like ceremony, um, but it does work. You can also write them a goodbye letter, really getting out all the things that you feel you weren't able to express to them. If you're in a really conscious relationship, I think it can be useful to have some sort of like parting ceremony with one another but you don't need the other person to be there present or even to have a conversation with them to heal and let go so I've done I did this a few years ago actually I wrote a letter to every single one of my exes and burned them um, as a way of really like clearing all of that stagnant energy that I still felt was lingering from my much more unconscious days when I just, I don't even know what was the driving force behind what, what I did or 
or what I thought or what I said, but um, yeah, I still felt quite connected to some people, that, even some people that I hadn't spoken to in years that I dated. Um, so I wrote a letter, firstly, taking responsibility for all the ways I failed the relationship and then clearly communicating how my needs weren't met and then saying goodbye forgiving them for the things that I felt they did to me and then saying goodbye and then I burnt them and it's a powerful way to close the chapter I actually wrote an entire article about how to heal from a broken heart so if that calls you you can check out the article it has a lot of exercises like that in it and personal stories um, it's at becomingfullyhuman.ca and I guess too just about one last thing about this question is that it takes time if you dated someone for years you can't expect the tie to end in two days but get real with yourself about the ties that you have to this person both physically and energetically and I think the biggest thing, maybe I'm just projecting, I know it's real for me, you cannot check their social media, like it has to be an absolute no, doesn't matter how lonely or curious, actually the lonelier you are and the more curious you are, the more powerful the transformation will be if you don't check it. And I'll finish off, finish off with a personal story about cutting ties with an ex and this guy wasn't an ex um we long story short um got quite close and there was definitely a lot I don't even know what was going on to be honest because he had no ability to communicate his internal dialogue with me and There were a lot of emotions like really quickly from the start and a major disconnect though between the type of relationship that I envision and want from this lifetime with a person and his values about even things like communication. There was a big disconnect between the things that he valued and the way that he showed up in our dynamic and it can be quite difficult. Um, uh, actually, this is related to the next question, so I won't get too deep into it, but it can be difficult because we operate from various centers. Um, our like sexual energy, our gut, our heart, and our brain. And when there's sexual chemistry, we can get confused. Also, our brain can be a very big... Um, factor to confuse you because someone who shares the same vision for the type of future that you want to live you might think oh my god like we're so aligned in this way but if your heart isn't there or your gut is saying this isn't right or you know there's any type of combination between the four that might push you to stay in a relationship longer than you should and anyways with this guy it's a big conf it's a, it was a big ball of confusion to be perfectly honest and we kept hanging out 
for a handful of weeks and it reached a point where so I do a monthly kinesiology session with my beautiful friend Allison and I had a rash under my eyes a small rash I thought it was a food allergy um, which was confusing because I didn't change my diet or any of my habits really but anyways I thought it was a food allergy and so our session was coming up and I mentioned to her that I had a rash I sent her a photo and my theory that it was about some type of allergy she does the session on me and what came up was that it was actually my adrenals were being taxed because I was running this relationship with this guy was running through like on the was on the back burner 24 7 in my head because there was no clarity between the two of us because I kept engaging in this relationship despite knowing it was completely unaligned with my higher self. Um, not embodying the values that I actually require from a partner. So I was leaving very confused every time we hung out and I wasn't communicating that with him. So I was expecting him to communicate with me, but I wasn't showing up in that way. And just a whole host of things was keeping that confusion like circling in my body and stress impacts our body physically emotionally and chemically so just because you're something's on your mind and it doesn't it's not like eating mcdonald's it impacts your health in the exact same way if not worse because mcdonald's is an isolated incident whereas uh stress relationship stress is 24 7 so anyways that came up in the session with her which was profound because it was like my body is actually physically reacting to my inability or unwillingness to deal with the situation so it was a a big aha moment and so I made myself very vulnerable and I was completely honest and I actually embodied the thing that I value which is clear and open communication and I shared with him that I had no idea what was going on between the two of us but that it wasn't serving me or the type of dynamic that I'm looking for in a partner or in a relationship and that I wished him well but that essentially we couldn't see each other anymore because it just wasn't it wasn't working and I did it I did it with um no expectation of a specific response which I think is very important oftentimes I think that we engage with people almost manipulatively to get a response that we want out of them so an example of this would be an ultimatum. Um, you have to decide what it is that is best for you and then you have to do that thing. And ultimatums, yeah, not a thing. We can get, we can talk about that another time. 
Um, so yeah, I spoke my truth to him and he actually had a very lovely response, but it was full of confusion and which was his MO anyways. So that was that. And I went to bed that night. I did the cord cutting. I didn't feel the need to write him a letter because really, I don't even know what type of relationship we had. Um, but it didn't feel deep enough to need any like more than just the cord cutting, a little sage and a conversation, which I did. And I woke up the next day with a rash under my eyes. And I'm like, Cam, what is going on? You did the things. Um, Where's this rash coming from? And then I think it took me two days to realize that I was still following him on Instagram and I was still very much, I guess Instagram would be the biggest catalyst for me to think about him and have that awareness of what he's doing, who he's with, stuff like that. And so I hit the unfollow button and I have not checked his social media once since then, which is now many months ago, many months ago. Um, what month are we? July? Like seven months ago or eight months ago, which is, I'm so proud of myself. Like, don't get me wrong. Now there's just absolutely, oh, well, by the way, after doing that, the unfollowing, I woke up the next day and the rash was gone and never came back. So yeah, at, at first it was super difficult because despite it being a very dysfunctional friendship or whatever it was, um, when we form connections with people, it there's these energetic bonds and if you want to really take care of yourself, you have to promise yourself to do what's best for you in the long run. And that means cutting all ties until you reach a point where you would be happy for them to be with someone else. Okay, moving on. So the next question is, um, is love enough to make a relationship work? I think this question depends on what kind of relationship that you want to have with your partner. For the kind of relationship that I'm looking for, no, love is not enough. Um, the love that I'm looking for and the kind of relationship that I desire at my core as a woman is an unconditional love that accepts the person as they are no matter what. I feel prepared for a really deep, all-encompassing love and that journey requires two individuals who are fundamentally who fundamentally share many if not all of the same values. So some examples would be um, someone who's a truth seeker. I really resonate with that concept because it permeates all aspects of my life. Um, questioning things and questioning my own beliefs and trying to see my blind spots 
also just, I guess that's related to personal growth and healing. Like that is a really a big part of my life. And if my partner doesn't share that value, I can only see resentment happening from one or both parties down the line. Because a lot of people fall in love with someone's potential. I think that's very problematic. I definitely did that a lot as a younger person. And so I want to be met. I want to be met by my partner from the start, knowing that we're going to be on this journey as a team, but that because of our shared values, we're going to be able to continue to grow within like the safety net of what a relationship is. And yeah, there's other values like honesty and being a good communicator, valuing health. And oh, here's like a massive non-negotiable. And this is something that it's a, it's a massive topic because wanting children, first of all, is kind of a non-negotiable. Like to me, giving an ultimatum to your partner down the line because you've fallen in love with them and you want kids but your partner doesn't and so saying either we're going to have kids or I'm going to leave you I never want to be in that situation so the non-negotiables for me I bring up on a first date things like children and also even a vague timeline like I'm 29 now and although I don't feel that much pressure I I have this deep maternal instinct and I've had it my whole life and I value motherhood and I value I value that world so deeply and so if having that conversation with a potential partner scares them that's totally fine, but we're not meant to be together. So bringing that up, bringing these types of things up, not only wanting children or not, but also sharing the same values when it comes to raising children. There's some conversations that many people don't have until they fall pregnant. And it blows my mind because they're non-negotiable things for me when it comes to to raising children one example and it, it doesn't matter what side of this debate you're on but the choice to vaccinate your children or not you need to have that conversation before you fall pregnant and ideally you need to have that conversation before you fall in love with anyone because once you're in love it's much harder to see those types of things for what they are which to me it they're called deal breakers <laughs> if you whether you're pro-vax or anti-vax your intention is the well-being of your child and if one partner believes in vaccines and the other doesn't it means one partner is having to concede their innate desire to protect their children there is a zero percent chance that that is not going to create resentment within the relationship an imbalance of power 
within the relationship and and chaos when it comes to parenting and oh, there's just there's just so many things so uh, I bring up vaccines pretty much on a first date and that might seem crazy to some people but I know that I'm looking for a life partner at this stage in my life and although you do not have to be aligned with absolutely everything and there are so many things that I think ebb and flow with life um, we change we grow and there's also potential for shifts within the dynamic of of a longer term relationship but I think don't have fear when it comes to showing your true self from the start and that's probably the most important thing because I think a lot of people they don't show up 100% authentically in their whole self out of fear of being too much and being rejected but the thing is if you don't show up and show all your colors and your deepest thoughts and vulnerabilities then you are risking um, that you're going to fall in love and then be blinded by the fundamental like holes in the foundation of what your relationship is so I don't know if any of that made sense it feels real to me I think that well back to the four centers like the sex center your gut feeling your heart and your head for me the kind of love that I'm looking for is all four of these centers are completely aligned and you may have so much sexual chemistry with someone but if your heart says no or your head says no then you're going to be compromising uh, an aspect of yourself to be in this relationship and I don't believe that we have to compromise. I feel so genuinely that what you're looking for is looking for you and that by showing up authentically you can have it all and that love can be there but that also your vision for the future and your goals and they don't have to be exactly the same goals especially when it comes to it's not even heterosexual relationships it's just the masculine and the feminine in general like they're driven by different forces but it's being in a relationship where you can be seen heard and met in your whole authentic truth so love is important don't get me wrong without love it doesn't matter if you if you share the same values because that's what friendship is I mean you can love your friend and have all the same values but yeah all four centers have to be activated for me and making sure that you have enough self-worth that you feel deserving to have the type of love that you want there's a book I'm actually listening to it as an audiobook at the moment it's called Dear Lover by David Data and 
that's the kind of love that I know is possible and attainable and yeah it's it's mind body soul kind of relationship that if you're it's written for women but I think it's probably pretty profound for men and women if you're if you're really looking for the type of relationship that you don't see often in the day-to-day life I suggest listening to I enjoy it as an audiobook because it's read it's it's written as a letter almost an open letter from men to women or from the divine masculine to the divine feminine is probably a better way to put it and it's like a breath of fresh air hearing those words and hearing the potential of what a relationship can be and it's the kind of relationship that we are not exposed to for the most part growing up and even in modern day yeah definitely give that a listen if if it resonates with you it's quite a profound book next up is what is your biggest challenge at the moment Hmm. this I don't even know how to broach this subject I think it, it it branches out into so many different things on the surface level the question the the challenge would be do I stay in Australia or do I leave um this has been a challenge for me for many years I spent from 2014 to 2017 here in Australia and I had no intention of staying the first time I was actually living and working in the Caribbean before that and I don't even know what drove me here I know a friend was going to be here so there was that comfort that we were going to travel for a little bit together but at its core I think it was a subconscious calling like probably past life like a coming home in a way and because as soon as I landed here, I knew that I wanted to be here for a very long time. And staying here isn't so easy for me, surprisingly. Like, despite the Commonwealth and my Canadian passport, it's been quite challenging to stay long term. And so the challenge is. The deeper challenge is something that everyone can relate to because it is the desire to have goals and achieve goals and have the vision of exactly what it is you want in this life and making it happen versus surrendering, trusting, and flowing with life. And so on one end, it's the masculine, you know, the driven, linear provider mentality of like I'm I need to get this kill or the family is going to starve versus 
the feminine who ebbs and flows with like the tide and the moon and just flows with life, you know? And yeah, that's been, it's an ongoing not really knowing for me. And things have shifted a lot recently as I've prioritized being in my feminine after so many years of really having pedal to the metal in my masculine, um, things like overexercising, overcaffeinating, as a freelancer working for myself for a very long time, I was doing too much. I was doing a post grad, I was nannying, I was embarking on this writing career, I was taking on everything every opportunity that was given to me, um, I was doing too much and I actually got vertigo. When was this? This must have been in 2018 or about maybe late 2017 and vertigo is just the psychosomatic of being directionless and doing too much or actually not even being directionless, having too many directions at once and not kind of chilling out and anyways so I've just taken the foot off the gas in many of those aspects and I'm learning to go with the flow more and trust that the people places and things that are meant to be in my life will be it's been a challenge yeah it's been a challenge um Like I've said earlier in this episode, we're in a very masculine society and we're constantly being pushed to set goals and achieve and do and just do it all. And the feminist movement is pushing women to be the same as men and we're not the same as men. And yeah, so tapping into my feminine way more and honoring my cyclical needs and softening as a person and as a woman and dancing with life more yeah so I guess that's my biggest challenge Um, I also think it's an incredible gift because having the awareness of this polarity between the masculine and feminine and learning to honor the balance within myself has been such a journey and transformation And watching the kind of people that I attract into my life as I make this shift is incredible. And yeah, feeling more grounded even despite being more in flow than ever, like unattached to what's going to happen next. It kind of gives zero fucks about anything anymore. It's so incredible. Um, I actually just got my next visa granted for Australia just two two nights ago. That gave it's giving me six more months here because of this global pandemic situation. There's not many airlines that are operating internationally, and yeah, so I have six more months on my visa here, but. When I got the email and I saw it was coming from immigration, 
Last time I got an immigration email from Australia, it was denying my visa. And this was in 2017. And it prompted the one and only anxiety attack that I've ever had of just feeling so ungrounded and overwhelmed and like, holy, I, I remember the sensation so viscerally. And because that was my inability to flow, like that was me and my masculine thinking that I knew what I needed and not trusting that life is fundamentally always giving me exactly what I need to heal, grow and learn. And this time when I saw the email pop up, I just smiled and was like kind of excited no matter what the option was. And knowing that there was a very big possibility that they would give me 28 days to leave the country. And so yeah, I'm at a place in my life now where I just am so open to anything and everything and I trust that even when my heart hurts or I feel old patterns being triggered, I'm like, cool, okay, this is information and I'm going to find the root of why I feel this way and I'm going to heal the pattern that I picked up as a child that makes me feel like this present day situation is making my world crumble or making me feel um, hurt, abandoned, unsafe, unlovable. It's being the observer and observing how you feel and then using that as information to grow. So that was a bit of a tangent. Yeah, so I'm gonna end the episode here today because it's we're just about a minute 10 and I think that that's plenty for now and I so am beyond grateful that you are welcoming me into your ear holes or into your car or wherever you're listening to this and I hope that you feel inspired to navigate your own path knowing that all I share is from my heart but just a perspective and that my intention is for you to question your own beliefs and yeah be inspired to forage your own path and not make yourself small and that you're worthy and lovable and safe and if you feel like any of those things aren't true that it's just a gift of information for you to explore your higher truth and your higher self because you are worthy and you are lovable and you are safe and I look forward to talking soon bye